If you paid attention to that video and you heard the last thing that was said, is the guy says, See, he even calls the sinners to follow him. That gives you and I the hope of coming to a church that understands that we're all broken and that we need a Savior. And Jesus is calling us to follow Him. No, this is not a parable. This really happened. Switch the gears on you a little bit. I couldn't get away from this this week. So, here's a title. Do you think or do you know? We talk about God getting our attention sometimes, and I talk with some people uh, in my church that are really, they're really seeking, and I can recommend books, and they read books, and I had, a, I had a lady come to me this morning, and she said, um, when you read the book that you gave me, did it feel like God got your attention with a boat oar? <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete calling, and it's a complete change. But I want to give you a warning. Sometimes we get in the way of that. Sometimes we, we, without fully relying on God, we take the first thing, we take the easiest way, and we're all guilty of this. But sometimes, when we, we talk about this, this, this Levi guy, this tax collector, um, the audacity that the tax collector has even after Jesus calls him. Um, so, if you have your Bibles in a little while, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Um, but I want to I tell you about a phone call that I got this morning. Um, I asked that I could share with you. They said yes. Um, but if you were a part of last Sunday's church service at 9 and 11, we commissioned our students, 6th grade to college, and we sent them out as missionaries. Uh, I got a call from, um, I called a call from Northern Illinois. They knew that was going to go on. They said, hey, how'd it go? I said, it was awesome. It was unbelievable, the way that God's moving in our young people. But... Right before I came to church this morning, and number one, I don't remember unless it was mandatory for class, me on purpose getting up in college at, you know, before eight. <laughs> I got a call at about 7.30 this morning. A text message that says, are you awake? I said, yeah. Can I call you? Yes. Is one of our college students from USI. I'm thinking, man, that was quick. <laughs> I wonder what they need. And over the last couple of days, they've been asking questions like this. We're looking for a church to start attending. Do you know of any ones that we could go check out to see where God wants to put us in college and church? These are the type of kids that you sent out. This morning, I get a call from one of them, and, and she says, I'm so excited about going to church with friends. And we had this opportunity at Connection last week, and I'm so excited about what God is going to let us do or put us into in the church that, we, that He chooses for us to attend over in Evansville. These are not normal kids. I didn't act like that. Maybe you did. Maybe you did. Maybe you're a lot better follower of Jesus than me, but when I was 18 to 22, that wasn't a decision that I was making on a regular basis. And you got kids in college, and they're texting me and calling me, and they're calling other people in church and saying, do you have any recommendations for, for, for my school? Or I'm going to school at Edwardsville. Or I'm going to go to school at Maryville. Or I'm going to go to school at Bolivar. Or I'm going to go to USI. Do you know of any good churches around there? That's a, that's a phone call that I want to entertain. I want to take that. I want to discuss with them. Man, what, what God is going to do for them. Because contrary to popular belief, yes, they go away to college. Not all of them stay away. 
Some of them come back. What if a church, what if they get involved with a church for two, three, four years, and they begin to continue to grow, and then they come back, then we can plug them in at Connection. Now what? Now they begin to train other college kids as they go out, and younger people. But I just want to say this. If you were here, if you weren't here but you prayed, if you knew about it, I just want to say thank you. If you missed it, do not feel bad. Don't feel bad. Yeah, this is not a, it's not a guilt trip, but I, I just want to share with you just the awesomeness of what happened. We're going to be able to post some pictures soon. If you're not a friend on, on Facebook with Connection, go, go like Connection's page. We're going to probably send, show some pictures out pretty soon. Um, so you can just kind of take a look. Um, also, this Friday, we just go from one opportunity to another. This Friday, the 26th, at 7 a.m., here at church, we're going to be serving the entire football team and coaching staff for the Mount Vernon football team. is going to come here and eat breakfast. I have some egg casseroles that have been donated. I have some cinnamon rolls that have been donated. Um, I asked a person yesterday about some, a, big, a big fruit arrangement or something, just some sliced fruit. Um, we're going to have biscuits and gravy. See, I know some of you are like, well, I'm coming. Okay, this breakfast is not for us. Okay, if there's extra, maybe. But, but anyway, it's going to start at 7. Um, if you can help at all, say, I, I, we need people to help, uh, help bring some tables, help set up some tables, help put some cloths on the tables. Um, we need people to help serve. We need people to help do dishes. We need to help people to clean up, things like that. All kinds of opportunities. Yes, I understand it's 7 o'clock in the morning. We'll be done at 7.45 so they can head to school. And then um, if you're an early person, if you're an early riser, I'll probably be out here about 5 or 5.15, so you can come out and hang out with me. We can get all the coffee ready and everything like that. Uh, but if you can help with that, seriously, if you, if you think, hey, you know what, that's something that I can do. Even if it's, hey, I, can, I can't be there, but I can give you X, Y, Z of whatever you need, um, please come and talk to me after church, okay? Um, I'm not going to make that very long, but just come talk to me. It's going to be a great time. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. The title this morning is, Do You Think or Do You Know? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to burst somebody's bubble today. What we think is not always right. What we think is not always right. Sometimes our personal, our personal twist goes into that decision, and what we think is not necessarily always right. What we think is sometimes wrong. In, the, in this video, if, if, you, if you're familiar with uh, the story of the Gospels, the story of the disciples, if you know kind of the, some of their characteristics of the people, uh, if you know Peter, he was very outspoken. He was the dude in Garden of Gethsemane when they were going to arrest Jesus, that he drew a sword and cut off the guy's ear. Okay, this is a very boom personality. In other, other parts of Scripture, he says things without thinking, often, okay, often. But when Jesus talks to this tax collector, I would, I would get, man, I would, I would give a little bit of money to be a fly on the wall when, Matt, when this tax collector starts walking with Jesus and he's equal to Peter now. This is, this is, if you were in Connect Group this week, I hope that you really got into the lesson and I hope the first word of what Jesus said in red letters, if you were at Connect Group this week, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, pray like this. And we talked about the most repeated, most well-known prayer in the history of the world. It's the Lord's Prayer. But if you looked at it in Connect Group, I hope that you noticed this. Do you know what the very first word is in, in the Lord's Prayer? 
hour. These are Jesus' words. Now watch this. This is how cool you are. This is how special you are. This is how loved you are. When Jesus says hour, he is including you. Equal to. We don't deserve it. But I just, I got that this week and I'm like, wow. We are special. He's a good father. He loves us beyond anything that we can see. But sometimes our, our, what we think about what something should, and I'm going to use some air quotes today. Okay, can everybody do this one? We're just going to, one, two, three, we're going to do this. Okay, some of you have not had coffee. One, two, three, we're going to do it again. One, two, three, okay, good. We're going to use air quotes today. Okay, it means it's something like that. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do some other, we're going to do some other things with this. But look, God's word and his direction is never wrong. Sometimes we get in the way. We say, well, God told me to do this. Careful. Careful. He knows what we need and he allows the Holy Spirit to guide us. I am not telling anyone that they've, never, that they've done something wrong in following God. But what I am telling you is sometimes we think God is calling us this way because man, it's just an easier path. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it does. If you've, if you've walked with God a long time in your life, you understand that stuff. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes it's pretty plain. Sometimes you've got to knock on and open like 78 doors. Anybody understand this? You've got you to constantly pursue what you're supposed to do. So these disciples are walking with Jesus and they're really, really getting into following Him. And you know, They can be big, tough guys behind Jesus, can't they? they can you imagine they're walking through town like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe they made some shirts that had great big D's on them, or disciple. And they're walking. <laughs> Maybe they made one for Jesus, you know, great big J. And they're following And whenever they follow Him, it's big stuff. But we see how that changes. Their mindset changes. Like when Christ is crucified, where do, where do we find them? They're locked in a room. Had the rug pulled out from under them. They didn't think it should have went that way. We don't think things. We often mention here at Connection that we are broken people. I had a person that listens to the, listens to the uh, archive sermons online and they, they, came, they, they called me and they said, Hey, I want to tell you something. All right, he goes, I want to ask you something first. I said, what's that? He said, he said, is it true what you say about your church understanding that they're all broken? And I said, well, not all, all of us. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we think we're doing pretty good, but yeah, if you get down to the basis of it, we understand that we, we're in need of a Savior. And then he told me this. He said, if Connection was anywhere close, he lives about five hours away. He said, if Connection was any type of closer and I didn't work weekends, I seriously would think I would drive down and sleep on your couch and go to church there because I want to hang out with those people. He didn't say anything about me. He just said he wants to hang out with you and he's never even met any of you. But this is a big deal. We're talking about broken things, broken people. If I say that everybody's here broken, you personally may agree or disagree. I'm going to help you with this decision, okay? okay I'm, going to I'm going to volunteer you the answer. In some way or another, you have a sin problem. Period. End of story, done. You're a human being. You were born with a selfish nature. If you have a baby in your house, how about this game? They're eating, they throw something, and you go pick it up. And they get it again, and you turn your head, and they know exactly. They cry, you come. They understand this. You're born with a selfish. You're born with a selfish attitude, a selfish being. 
And sometimes this selfishness in adulthood comes up, it springs up in us, and it highly affects the closeness of our relationship with God. Because we think. We don't rely on what we know, we do what we think. What would be easier, what we know. It's not easy to think that your day is going to get better if you have something horrible like cancer invade your life in one day. But the difference between thinking it's bad and knowing that God is God is different. You can stand on the things that you know. I don't think this is going to work out well, but I know that God is in control. Yes. We're going to look at firsthand. This is not a parable. I know some of you are like, oh, I thought we were doing parables. This is not a parable. This is a story. And I guarantee you this is a story that they reused and they reused and they reused and they reused in their ministry. So in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, look with me here today. I'm going to read, I'm going to read through verse 32. You can check it out on the screen or on your phone. Or on your phone. Um, or your tablet, or whatever you have. Verse 27. It says, Later, as Jesus left the town, He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Verse 28. So Levi got up and he left everything and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests who also ate with him but the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Notice it wasn't to Jesus. You know what happens if you complain to Jesus? He confronts your wrongness. So he went to the human, the, the human humans. He went not to God's Son, but he went to the humans. Look at verse 31. Or I'm 30. It says, But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Man, that's an awesome word. Don't you want to be called scum when you grow up? Isn't that like your goal? This is, this is not okay. Pond scum doesn't smell good. At all. This is not a good word. He's calling them gross. Look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those, not those, who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. If you look back real quick with me on the screen, look at 32, right here on the screen. Jesus is condemning the Pharisees. They're all around Him when He's talking here. The Pharisees are all around Him. Jesus is condemning them. Look at, look at, look at what this word... Look at, look at this. If you underline your Bible, it says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. People think that they're righteous, but they're really not righteous. You know why? Because <laughs> they're thinking it, right? They're not God. They, they, they don't think they have any problems. They have a great big mask and everything's fine. You ever talk to these people? Their house could be burning down. Their physical house could be burning down right here. You'd walk up to them on the street and say, Hey, how are you doing? They go, We're fine. No, you're not. You're, maybe, maybe, they had, maybe they hit a deer and they busted, busted the radiator and everything's going crazy and, and you come up to them and you stop and say, Hey, how are you doing? And they go, We're fine. No, you're not. I pulled over the side of the road for a guy the other day. <laughs> There's a donut on the front, and he has a flat tire. What that tells me is he's had two flat tires, and he probably only had one donut. Are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm good. I don't know. I, I don't know if he was scared by me. Maybe he didn't like my beard. I don't know. 
But people, people have this, they have this, you, you come, you can hide everything you want. Maybe you had a horrible day this week. Maybe you had, maybe you had a horrible week this week. Maybe you had a horrible morning this morning. And when you walked in the door, you said, everybody's like, Hey, how you doing? You're like, Oh, we're so good. Makes me want to puke. (laughs) Man, you know what? That, That is exactly the absolute opposite that God wants us to come to him with. God, I'm good. And he looks at us in a very straight, stern face and says, No, you're not. No, you're not. See, these Pharisees looked up to God and looked to other people and said, Ha! I got the cool clothes. I got the sweet hat. I got the gold. I got the everything. And I'm, I'm good. I'm really, really, really good. Except the story when, you, when we see Nicodemus. You remember the story? Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he realized that he's really not good. He can't come during the daytime because people could see him. That's where Nickelodeon got Nick at night. Nickelodeon comes to Jesus at night. So, so, so he, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says, What must I do? I know that you're a teacher. I know that you're the Messiah. What do I need to do? He was showing Jesus that he didn't have everything all together. Man. Ah. I think if we looked at ourselves... In the light of sin, we see one thing, and we all have this in common, but there are some times that we just fail greatly. We just do. Because we're broken people. But let's look how Jesus loves the broken people. If you have your worship handout, flip it open to the first blank, and look up here, and you can get your blank to fill it in. It says, Jesus came to minister to the sick. Who are the sick? Oh yeah, they're be easy, hang on. These were the people that were not interested in knowing at all. I love this. They were the people who wanted to know what was important. Pharisees wanted to show everybody that they knew it all. I can keep over 600 commandments. The truth be told, in their silent life, they couldn't come anywhere close. They couldn't keep them all. So, Jesus came to minister to the people that were sick. Oh, those poor people. I mean this with the utmost sincerity and love. But you and I are included in that word. We're all sick. We're all sick. But the people, these, these, these people that understand that they're broken, look, they were the people that were not interested in knowing it all. I don't have all the answers. Sometimes people come to me and, and I know they, they say, well, you're the pastor, you'll know this answer. <laughs> There's sometimes I want to call some of you and go, hey, hey, so-and-so has a question. And because you're a lead team, or you're a lead team member or you, you lead Connect Group, you know all the answers. So I'm going to send them to you. Okay, that's not fair. Okay, these people aren't interested in knowing at all. They were the people who wanted to know what was important. Levi understands what's important. Levi, the, this, this guy who, who Jesus changed his name to Matthew, is responsible for the first book of the New Testament. And it's phenomenal how this all works together. He understood. He, he probably was never talked to in this manner in his life. He heard a lot of hate. I don't know that he ever heard a lot of love because of his job. Look at this. Look at this with me. There's a, there's a, there's a significant difference between these two groups. The Pharisees, the, I don't sin at all, ever. And then there's in this video, Jesus talks about this tax collector, Levi, and he stands up and he says, Dear God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Now, just to jog your memory, just to jog what you think and how loud God spoke to me about this, he said, Matt, well, how do you pray? 
I pray for you. I do. But sometimes I need to understand how sick I am. Maybe you do too. Understand what kind of love was given to me that I don't have to be sick anymore. It's special. As a tax collector, Matthew would have been called with very, Levi would have been called, he changed his name to Matthew, he would have been called for a very good reason. A tax collector had to be meticulous. Okay, they had to be very, very organized, very OCD. Anybody? Anybody CDO in here? You know what CDO is? It's OCD, but you put the letters in alphabetical order like they should be? Okay, some of you aren't awake. Now, or some of you are like, I'm so anti-OCD. But Levi and Matthew wrote the gospel to clarify, watch this, he, he wrote the, new, the, the first book of the New Testament to clarify, Matthew was written to the Jewish people, to show that Jesus had fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and He was who He says He was. Now Jesus called Him completely on purpose. He was a meticulous person. But in the social scheme of things, He lived in the gutter. It was not important. He was all for himself. The only people he hung out with were people that were like him and had his same job. He was not liked. Look at verse 27 on the screen. Look at this. Later as Jesus left the town, so he's leaving. Okay, now watch. As he was leaving the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. These are the... These are the only words recorded. And we're looking in Luke, and you understand that Luke, in the first four verses of this book, he writes to Theophilus, and he says, I'm writing this so you may know. There are more than 50 cities that do not even exist anymore that that have been archaeologically found based on the writings of Luke geographically. He's pretty spot on. So he records this again. He records this story. Man. So Levi's sitting there, and Jesus literally says, Hey, follow me and be my disciple. That's it. Now I wonder. Jesus shows up at your door. Oh, mad! it's not like that now. We don't have booze in the middle of town. What if Jesus shows up at your door? Let's come on. How about this? I'll put it into a context. What if God's asking you to do something, step outside your comfort zone, and He says, hey, let's go, and you sit there. Deep breath, anxiety, breathe through the nose, into a paper bag, okay? He says, follow me and be my disciple. Can you imagine what the Pharisees thought? What? These guys are hated. They are on the bottom of the bottom of people that are liked. They are not good people. They're liars. They're scam artists. And the, and the Pharisee in the video says, Now Jesus calls sinners to follow Him. And I wrote down a note here. It says, Absolutely. Because us sinners are the ones that can relate to other sinners that are out in the world. But Jesus simply says, Come. Levi had a lot to lose. Some of you, don't, some of you say, Well, Levi was a tax collector. Okay, great. Levi, compared to the other disciples, had so much more to lose. How? He left everything, okay? Even if the ministry of Jesus and the disciples' jobs went away, they could go back and fish. You don't undo this job. You don't go back 
and do this. He was leaving everything. It says he got up. It doesn't say that he took his, his tax books with him. He will have no records. He's leaving everything on the table, literally, and he's walking away. I love, I, this, is, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Look at 528. Look at this. So Levi got up. He left everything and followed him. This is Luke recording this. Luke would talk to the disciples and say, Hey, what was it like? I guarantee you that Peter would give him a pretty accurate statement. Peter, tell me about the time that Jesus called Levi. I'll tell you. We're walking through this town and you know the tax collectors, everybody hated them. And Jesus literally walks up to this guy and goes, Hey, come on. He left it all there. He heard Jesus' voice. He heard him speak and he gets up and he leaves. And he's never been a tax collector since. What do you say? He's never, he's never, he's never. Hmm. See, I love, I love this. It doesn't say that, it doesn't say that Levi said a word, does it? I love this. You don't have to say a word to preach the gospel. You don't have to say a word to follow Christ either. His actions. We hear it all the time. Actions speak louder than words. This was a novel. This action right here. He got up and he left everything. This was so important. This man was so hated. He worked for the Roman government. He taxed his fellow Jewish people. Anything on top of what he got collected for taxes was his to keep. He was incredibly wealthy. And he left it all there. I would imagine he got tired of not being liked. And Jesus comes up to him and simply with his words he said, I love you. He tells the story of the two men that walk into the temple and the Pharisee says all these words and he was probably including Levi in this prayer. And Levi comes in and he gets in this corner that we talk about all the time. He gets in this corner. He can't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. When we understand how broken we are, how, how low we are on the totem pole compared to our God, it will change the way that we appreciate and change the way that we communicate with Him. Simply put, Levi's obedience is something that we can all learn a lot from. Everybody. Have you ever, uh, have you ever fought God and told Him you wouldn't go where He wanted you to go? You ever told God, I'm going to do it my way? You're saying Frank Sinatra to God? That doesn't work. I'm just telling you that. For a lot of, time, a lot of years, I said, I'm going to do it my way, God. I will go to Zimbabwe and I will live with Aborigine people in the desert. But I will not be a pastor. Worked out phenomenally. Still haven't even been to Africa. <laughs> so it says. So so he gets up and he and he leaves, and he just he just gives it. He gives everything. We fight that calling though. I'm going to be really honest with you. If this if you include me, it would have said, verse 28 would have said Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. It maybe have said something like this. Well, Matthew sat there, pondered. Wrote the pros and cons. Called a friend. Gave the audience the 50-50. Used every single lifeline and every single thing he could possibly put in his life before he actually listened. Maybe that's just me. But I think that I know best. Levi here understood that God did. Maybe you try to rationalize the benefits. 
God never says it's easy. Never ever. Rationalizing benefits to what we want is sometimes not what God wants. Do we count the cost? Look at, look at the next blank in your worship handout. Look at this. One of the, probably one of the most one of the most common one of the most common things when followers of Jesus are, are seeking to do what God wants is this word. Hesitation. But here, there is no hesitation with Levi's decision to follow Jesus. It's instantaneous. It's some of us, if we had to respond like this, it would scare you to death. I asked some of you, see, earlier, I didn't say, who can bring fruit right now? Because some of you would have left. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't, I don't, don't ask me. I gave you the whole service, and you can decide if you want to or not. I don't care. It's not gonna, we're not going to un, become unfriends that you don't want to bring bananas. Okay? So you can come, you look all the whole service, and you can find out if it's something that you want to do, and something that you can do, and then you come and tell me, and that's it. It's over. But instantaneous things scare us to death. Especially when they, you're talking about a job. You're talking about it, leaving a job, a very high-paying job. Leaves it. It says, what makes it, so hard for, what makes it so hard for us to do this at times? Why do we hesitate? Because our thinking gets in the way. Not only does Levi follow Jesus and leave everything he knows and he's worked for, but look at the absolute audacity of Levi. Look what he does. Look at verse 29. Look what he does. Later, probably that day, Levi has surrendered his life to follow Christ. Now what does he do? He tells the people that he hangs out with. The scumbags. They're all, listen, they are hated. Absolutely hated. Jesus did not use this word scum for fun. It's intentional. People did not like it. So it says, Levi held a banquet in his home. Okay, that's okay. Don't include the last part of the sentence though, because then it gets real weird. It says, Levi held a banquet in his house. Okay, good. Fine. Can you imagine the, the disciples coming back? Say Peter comes back to the disciples and goes, Hey, uh, Levi's holding a banquet in his house. Oh, that's okay. With Jesus as the um, head guest. What? can't do that. Does Jesus know that everybody's there is going to be a tax collector or somebody referred to as scum? First of all, did Jesus know that? Absolutely he did. He didn't come in and go to the country clubs. He came into towns and went to the gutters. He went to the scum. He went to the people that are outcast by society. And so, so Levi held a banquet in, the home, in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. At the same table. At the sa- in the same room. They were hated that much. It might have been a long time since Levi had had someone into his house. Dinner at Levi's house. Oh boy. He wouldn't have entertained many guests. No one liked him. And if he's a tax collector in this town, there probably wasn't very many tax collectors in this town. So he probably had to go to different towns for the tax collectors to come here. So he probably didn't entertain guests very often. People didn't want to associate with him. But look who's attending. Levi, Jesus, and the scum. Oh boy. He invites Jesus to be the guest of honor and he invites his friends 
Why? Because Levi, Matthew, has had his life entirely changed. And when you experience a life change by what Jesus Christ has done for you in your life, it will, you will become so magnetic to other people. Anybody that you hang out with, God has given you a hook. I talked to a young man this week. He posted on Facebook that he had a, he had a jersey. I never, I never played soccer, but he says he was number 18. I'm like, hey, I speak. I, I said, I wore 18 for about eight years. It was my college number and high school number in baseball. I said, this is cool. As a result of me playing sports, I got to talk to people that people that don't play sports didn't get to talk to. And those people that didn't play sports talked to people that I probably didn't, just because of practice, hang out with a whole bunch. See, when Levi's life is changed, he goes to them. He says, listen, you know how we're unpopular? I just had the Savior of the world ask me to follow him. You want to come over to dinner with him? You know what they would have said? Obviously. They said yes. Yeah. What time's dinner? Maybe he had a good, good fish fry. I don't know. Look at verse 30. But. There's always a but. There's always a but. So Jesus is having a good time eating with people that need to hear about the love of God, right? But. Enter know-it-alls. The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. I told you this earlier. Why didn't they go to Jesus? First of all, Jesus is having dinner. Would they have actually knocked on the door of a house that was filled with that many tax collectors? Heck no. They went as far away from that place as they can get. So he says this. So they go to the disciples. So they go to the disciples and they say, Um, question. If you're a boss, or you're, maybe, maybe you're not a boss, you are, you are you ever talked to by people that don't want to go where they should go to talk, they want to just come and maybe get your feel of the land on how this conversation would work out. You ever done that? I don't know how he's going to react if I say this. Oh, and you have this conversation, you say, oh, you should definitely not say that. <laughs> See, they, these guys go to the disciples and they're looking for a weak link. They're like, how can we talk to Jesus without talking to Jesus? Because we're not going to go where he is because he's eating with scumbags right now. We don't want to go over there. But these people didn't realize that they were sick. These Pharisees should have been sitting on the floor next to these tax collectors, eating dinner, listening to Jesus speak. But they were too right because they thought they were. Look at verse 31. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, back up one time. Back to verse 30 if you can. But it says, says, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Mm. Look at the next verse. So Jesus answers them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy can be taken two different ways. Healthy can be a follower of Christ that's seeking to grow their faith and their trust in Him. Or it's somebody that doesn't want any part of that. They think that they're healthy. See, the, the, the healthy part about a person that's following Christ and is trying is they are a healthy follower of Christ and as a healthy person they realize that they have a sick nature. And they need help. In 32, look at this. 32, he says this. I have come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and they need to repent. These tax collectors needed a doctor. And as a doctor, they needed forgiveness. 
They needed somebody to love them. They needed somebody to talk to them. They needed somebody to care. They needed forgiveness. They needed Jesus Christ. These Pharisees couldn't admit that they had a sin problem. And as much as we want to say, those Pharisees, man, those Pharisees. I'm reminded of a verse all week. I was reminded by a verse all week when I was studying this. I said, man, those, in my mind I go, those Pharisees were just dumb. And I got to answer back through Scripture from God. And He says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by the way you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Do not ever think. But trust me. That was a big, that was a hard problem. They couldn't, they couldn't relinquish all that trust, all that power, all that, look at me. They would have had to retire a lot of masks that says, I'm okay. And we have a problem with that sometimes. Look at your worship handout. It says, the religious teachers were in need of a doctor just like, if you want to underline that in your, in your worship handout and you look at that rest of this week, you should underline just like the scum that were in, in need of one. They were both in need of one. And I want to ask you this question. So you think, well, that's not a fair question to ask. It's none of your business. You're right, it's none of my business the way that you pray. But it is very much your business between you and God how you pray. Do we pray like the Pharisee or do we pay, pray like the tax collector? And it, it, it involves this. Do we sit somewhere and say, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it, because I want to do it, because I want to do it, and it's just the way that I think and I don't care? Or are we completely malleable? Gold is a malleable metal. You can bend it and shape it. So God says that He wants us to be formable. He wants us to be, to be able to be changed, to be moved into what He wants us to be. Some of you are not in the same spiritual shape, physically, like spiritual shape, like... Um, that you were when you became a Christian because God has stretched you here and He stretched you there and He stretched you here. He said, man, I'm going to stretch you here so you can help with this person. I'm going to stretch you here. When we allow ourselves to be spread out, God allows us to be used. But look at this. The religious teachers were in need of a doctor just like the scum. Just like the scum. Just like. If you've, been, if you've been a Christian for 80 years, if you've been a follower of Christ for 80 years, it was really cool, the 16th, uh, the 13th and the 16th, um, so I guess last Saturday and Tuesday, I, I, just, I just happened to think about it, August 16th, and on my calendar, I'm like, huh, wow, that's the date that I was baptized. Now, I know, it doesn't, I'm just a numbers person, that, and I just remember that. So if you don't remember, it's okay, just, okay. But I thought, man, how long ago was that? God used it as a teaching lesson. I was, I was saved and baptized 29 years ago, I'm 36. 29 years ago. And I, I, I begin to think about the years that I've been a follower of Christ. About the years that I ran away from Christ, that I came back to Christ, that, I, that, that what I would spend doing. Then I study. Then I talk with God. Then I listen to what He has to say. And out of this comes from my mouth. I say, God... I don't want to waste any more time. I've wasted enough. I don't want to waste any time. I want to do what you want me to do. Stretch me how you want me to be stretched. Move me. 
put these people in my life that you want me. I want to be you, but I am an absolute, more than ever, absolute desperate need of you. That's what that prayer turned into. I was just fascinated at how much I need God. How much you need God. How much us followers think, they think, oh yeah, well you're Christian, it gets easier. Listen, you just have an acknowledgement of how lost you are. (laughs) God, we're nothing without you. If you've never became a Christian, what a church calls, or becoming a follower of Christ, starting a relationship with Christ, I invite you to come and talk to me. You come and talk to me. We have, we have two side rooms. Nobody's in there. They're quiet. You come and talk to me. We can talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him. But which group of people do we act like right here? Do we act like the Pharisee or do we act like the tax collector? And I would, have given, I, I would give a lot just to go back and watch this story happen in real life. I can't imagine the thankfulness that Levi, that later Matthew, evidently it was big. He ended up giving his life as a disciple. He wrote the, new, he wrote, wrote the first book of the New Testament. The, the, <laughs> he went from a social status of high money to giving his life for a faith because it changed his life that much. The fact, and I tell this to people all the time, I said it to somebody this week in here, I said, the fact that we can even talk to God and ask Him for forgiveness absolutely, completely amazes me. The fact that I can have a relationship with God absolutely amazes me. He takes all my stuff, He gives me Jesus, and He says, fair trade. Listen, it's not fair, but we're just loved that much. Would you pray with me? God, we thank You so much. For today. God, we love you. God, we can say that we love you with our mouth all we want. But God, I just challenge, I just ask you to challenge us to live out those actions that we love you like Levi does in the scripture. God, wherever we go to work, whatever we do this week, God, that we just be actions that speak for you. God, that people come into our business or people uh, go into schools or you go to college or high school or middle school, wherever you go, God, that we, that we act out your love that you have for us so that we may become magnetic and show other people who you are and how big you are. God, sometimes we get caught up completely and completely and completely and totally on what we want to think. God, let us slip away from that and understand that we need to concentrate on the things that we know. You love us so much that you sent your son that we can ask for forgiveness and ask to have a relationship with him and the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we can live for you and spend eternity in heaven. That is what we know. God, and if someone doesn't know that truth, I just ask God that you begin to speak to them that they may ask questions God, and they may find out what you have for them in this life. God, I thank you so much for what we're seeing you do in this church. In your name we pray. Amen.